Hey church, I wanna welcome you to week two of our uh, sermon series, No Fear. I'm really glad uh, that you're watching and, and that you're joining us. Uh, we're gonna be in this series uh, through Memorial Day and just kind of diagnosing and uh, looking at fear from a whole bunch of different angles. And today we're gonna be talking about the relationship between fear and wisdom. And so let me go ahead and pray and then uh, we'll jump into this topic together, okay? Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you uh, for who you are and uh, that we can have a healthy fear, awe, and respect of you that will ultimately lead us to wisdom. Uh, I pray that for every person watching this, every person listening, that you will continue to take us by the hand and lead us to the wise place. We thank you again for Jesus. It is in his name we pray. Amen. For different seasons of your life, you tend to have different fears. That, that's been the case for me anyway. I remember in elementary school, there was a good long while, like a couple years, where I was afraid to go into the bathroom. Uh, there was a kid in there, that uh, a bully, uh, that would kind of rough kids up and uh, hurt them at times in, in the bathroom. And so there was a couple year season of my life where I just found it terrifying to go into the, into the bathroom in elementary school. So that was one season. As I got a little bit older, uh, I found myself trying out for teams and trying out for plays, and I would be terrified the night before the tryout, like not sleeping, sick to my stomach, just absolutely afraid. I, I remember one time in particular uh, in high school, I was trying out uh, for the play, um, for, for a play, and I was just absolutely nervous uh, the night before. It was Fiddler on the Roof. And uh, the next morning came, I went to my tryout, and it turns out I had nothing to be afraid of. Uh, I found out a couple weeks later I was cast in the part of Papa Number Four. I don't know what I was worried about, but, but I found myself during that season just afraid of tryouts, afraid of auditions and, and things like that. Years later, uh, I would make the decision after Cheryl and I had been dating for a while, I made the decision that I was going to propose. And uh, I was pretty confident she was going to say yes, but I went and I picked up the ring and I had it in my pocket. That uh, evening, I met Cheryl for dinner, and uh, after dinner, she came in and gave me a hug, and she just felt my heart pounding through my chest because I knew the ring was in the pocket. I knew that I had planned to propose to her in a couple days, but she was, she was worried I, I was having a cardiac event. And she was like, are you okay? And I decided right then and there, I'm just gonna propose right now. So I alleviated my fear, uh, proposed, and she obviously uh, did say yes. As I got a little bit older, I remember bringing my children home from the hospital and how, uh, or bringing my, my kids home in general and just kind of white knuckled on the steering wheel, our eyes darting back and forth, just absolutely uh, scared and nervous, driving super slow uh, as I entered into that kind of phase of life where, where those are your fears. And this is true of all of us. We all have different fears at different, at different seasons and every single person watching this Every single person listening to this could articulate, these are some of the fears that I have right now. I wanna take fear off the shelf just for a minute. And over the next weeks, we're just gonna look at this from every angle. But, but today I wanna to ask a question, how does a fear become a fear? Have you ever thought about that before? When you think about the things that you're afraid of, and you think about the things that you're scared of, and, and all of that, how does a fear become a fear? Well, there, there are several ways that a fear becomes a fear. First is that a fear becomes a fear when you respect its power. 
Now you think about someone that might be afraid of thunderstorms. They're afraid of thunderstorms because they see and understand the power of that storm. You think about being afraid of sicknesses. You tend to be afraid of sicknesses because you've seen and understand their power. You're afraid of certain people even. If there's someone in your life that maybe you're afraid of because you understand their power and their authority, maybe in the organization you work for. So you, you fear something when you respect its power. You fear something also when you respect its ability. Now this can be negative, Right? You might be a little bit afraid of your boss because you understand his power and his authority, but even beyond that, you understand his ability to maybe fire you someday, but it can also be positive. Think about going to Washington to meet uh, someone in our government, president, congressperson, whatever, so, somebody uh, uh, that, 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 that's in Washington, and while you're going to that meeting, you might have butterflies in your stomach, you might be nervous, you might even be a little bit afraid. Why? because you respect the office and you understand the ability and the power of that office. And so you are rightfully so nervous. You fear someone when you respect their character. And again, this can go kind of both ways. If you know someone that has really poor character and they're really, really powerful, you might rightfully so fear them, but it doesn't have to be negative. It can also be positive. Growing up, uh, my mother was the disciplinarian in our house. I don't know what your house was like, but my mom was the disciplinarian because she was home with us all day. And I feared my mom. I wasn't afraid, but I had a healthy respect, awe, and fear of my mom. And it was because of her character. That she was a great mom, but I also knew that if I did something that I shouldn't do, I know that she had the internal character that is required to discipline me. I, I know that she had the parental a character to shape me. I know that she was somebody I respected and somebody I looked up to, somebody I wanted to make proud. And so there was this healthy type of fear that I had for my mom. Here's what I want you to see with all of these examples. Fear and reverence, awe, and respect always go together. Fear, reverence, awe, and respect are married together. You don't have one without the other. You fear what you most respect. You fear what you most revere. You fear what you most awe, what you're most in awe of. And fear is actually a major uh, theme of the Bible. They actually call it uh, the, te the technical phrase for it is a canonical seam. In other words, there are these seams in the Bible that the Bible kind of hinges on, just a couple of major themes throughout the Bible. And one of those themes is fear and wisdom. Proverbs 9, 10 through 11 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by your days, uh, for by, by me your days will be multiplied and years of life will be added to you. Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So let's go back to our original list. We fear God when we understand, revere, and are in awe of his power. We learned this very early on in our Genesis series, uh, Genesis 1 through 11 series. You remember the story of the creation of the world. 
how God created the land. He created the sea. He created the creatures of the world. He, he created cats, and then he said, I can do better, and he created dogs, right? That God created all, all of this stuff with just a single command, with just a single word even. He created all of this stuff. And when we understand God's power, when we see his power on display, we are rightfully, the Bible's word for it would be fear, but really the, the, the correct understanding of it would be, we are in awe of that. We worship that. We are blown away by it. Not, not out of uncertainty for how he's going to treat us. His power doesn't make us afraid in that way. Um, we're not uncertain about how he's going to treat us. We know that he loves us. But it's like with your mom, my mom that I talked about earlier, or that government official that I talked about earlier. There is just an appreciation of, reverence for, and awe of his power. It results in worship. We fear God when we understand his abilities. We understand his ability. Now, there's a, a story that goes back to the book of Daniel about King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar issued a decree in his land that whenever certain music played, everybody was to stop what they were doing and they were to stop and worship this golden image that he had set up. He said, when the music plays, you stop and you worship. That's what you are to do. Or I'm going to throw you into this fiery furnace. I'm going to essentially burn, burn you up. And these guys that lived in the, the community Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were like, we're not going to do that. We fear God more than we fear Nebuchadnezzar. We're, we're not going to do that. They respected their king, but they respected the authority of God more. And so they said, we're just, we're just not going to work. When the music plays, we're not worshiping. We're not going to do that. And let me show you what happened uh, when the confrontation happens. Uh, th this is uh, from Daniel 3, starting in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. They so respected God, they so feared him because of his ability. Specifically in this story, his ability to save them. And he did. And, and we're now, uh, we, we understand that, that, that we serve a God. We, we just celebrated the resurrection a couple weeks ago, that we serve a God who is powerful. He has power over all things and he can and will save us. So they respected his ability his power over all things. We fear God when we understand his character. And if you want to see this, you can check out Isaiah 6, where Isaiah sees the Lord highly, high and exalted. But the holiness and righteousness of God creates in us this fear or worship response. We are in awe of his character. We worship him for his character. We fear his character. That God's righteousness and character tells us that he is otherly or holy. He is to be feared, not because he isn't good, right? We're not talking about being afraid in that way, not because he isn't good, it's because he is good. And in the presence of God, we understand we are in the presence of greatness. And in short, that's what I'm trying to uh, communicate here, probably not very well, but this is what I'm trying to communicate, is that this fear relationship that the Bible talks about, when it talks about fearing God, it's really talking about a relationship of worship, that I see God's character, I see his power, I see his authority, 
and I worship. I'm in awe. I revere because of how great God is. Now, there's a question. We talk about fearing other things. There's a question that flows out of this. When we see God's power, when we see God's ability, and when we see God's character and we worship, here's the question that flows out of this for all the other areas of our life, is should I live with a reckless disregard of all things and fear God only? So I see God's power, I see God's authority, I see God's character, is my response to that that I just live in disregard of all other things and I fear God alone? Let me tell you what the Bible would say about this because I think this is really important and this shows us the relationship between fear and wisdom is that we allow our respect, awe, reverence, and worship of God to inform our heart the most, but we also strive to live in wisdom. Remember, the fear of God, we're talking about this more in a minute, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So the Bible does not separate these two ideas. So the Bible would not say, yeah, you have this awe, reverence, and esteem for God, so now you just live with reckless disregard for all things because you fear God. That is not what the Bible would teach. The Bible would teach that this fear of God is ultimately leading you to wisdom, so be wise. So let me give you an example. So you hear the tornado sirens. You look out your window and you see the funnel cloud. The Bible would not teach that you go running toward it. No, no, no. You respect nature. You be wise. Be wise. But you fear God the most. In other words, you allow his grace, his power, and his plan to settle your heart while you're going to the basement. A virus uh, starts working its way through our country. Right? You don't laugh it off. You don't refuse to wash your hands. Right? You, you don't do that. You, you're not unwise. Instead, you allow the fear of God to inform your heart and your mind and your soul. While you're washing your hands, you, you, while you're washing your hands, excuse me, you allow him to settle your heart, to say, I'm not afraid. I trust God's power and grace more than anything. So you go to run an errand with your car. Yes, wear your seatbelt. Please wear your seatbelt. Respect the traffic laws. Be wise, but allow your reverence, awe, and respect of God to inform your heart and your mind the most, to settle your fear. When the Bible says, do not be afraid, it is not saying be foolish. It's not saying do whatever you want. When the Bible says, don't be afraid. It's saying fear, worship, and honor God the most. Allow him to settle your heart. But yeah, exercise. That's wise. Yeah, wash your hands. That's wise. Yeah, wear your seatbelt. That's wise. But allow your reverence, awe, and respect for God to be the most important thing and allow him to settle your heart. This is called wisdom. The Bible will say, as I mentioned before, the fear of God, the fear of God. So this awe, reverence, and respect for God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Here, here's another way to say it. When we honor God, when we worship God, when we revere God the most, here's the promise. He leads us to wisdom. 
God is always going to lead us to wisdom. That, that is why it is untrue to say, man, when you fear God, just live with reckless disregard toward everything else. No, no, no. We fear God the most. We allow him to settle our heart, but we try to live in wisdom because there's a relationship between what you fear the most and where you receive your wisdom. And here's what's true for you. And here's what's true for me. We all want wisdom. Every person watching this, every person listening to this, we all want wisdom. You didn't wake up this morning looking to make a bad decision. I didn't wake up this morning looking to make a bad decision. Now, you may have stumbled onto some bad decisions, but you didn't wake up going, eh, today I'm going to make a bad decision. No, you woke up and I woke up this morning to say, we want to make good decisions. We want wisdom. And I think sometimes wisdom has been hard in the stay-at-home order uh, for me anyway, is you start thinking about the wise thing to do. It's like, man, am I going to clean out the garage today like I've been planning to do forever? Or am I going to stream another episode of fill in the blank? Am I, are we going to play games as a family? Or are we going to watch, you know, Disney Plus, another, another movie? Am I going to talk with my family or am I going to get distracted by social media? Wise decisions have been hard even in this period of time, but we all want to make wise decisions. The other thing I would implore you to do right now, please, 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 this is an aside, but it's an important aside, is be praying for our government officials. When it comes to reopening this economy, when it comes to, to, to getting things a little closer to back to normal, because this issue has been politicized, and make no mistake about it, it has been, there will be no winning for any of our government officials at, at, at this point. So what we need to be praying for is that God will give them a spirit of wisdom to know what to do, to know when to do it, and to know how to do it. Our government officials now, maybe more than ever, they need wisdom. So be praying for their wisdom. Also be praying for me and for yourselves. Be praying that we have a spirit of grace. That sometimes when you're not, you're the one that doesn't have to make the decision, and so you have no responsibility for the decision, I find that when I'm in that position where I'm not making the decision and I have no responsibility over the decision, that it is easy for me to cast stones and leverage critique. And I think it's easy for us to do this. Man, I lied. What a dumb decision. What an unwise decision. Whatever. And it's easy to leverage critique. I want to pray for me and I want to pray for you that right now, especially toward our government officials, that we have a spirit of grace in the season. This is an impossible situation for our leaders to figure out because, they, because it's been politicized. They are going uh, to be criticized no matter what they do. No matter what they do, they're going to be criticized. And if you've ever been in that position, in a kind of no-win situation with your kids or at work or whatever, you know that when you're in a no-win situation, the number one thing you hope for and the number one thing you plead for is a spirit of grace with the people that you're leading. And we need to demonstrate right now that this is a great opportunity for the church because we are a grace people that we need, to, we need to exercise the spirit of grace that our Lord Jesus has given us and show some grace to our government officials. But like I was saying, that's the aside. Soapbox done. No one woke up today thinking, I'm going to make some really poor decisions. Everyone woke up today wanting wisdom, wanting to make good decisions. And here's what our text says. The fear of the Lord, awe, reverence, respect for God, it is the beginning of wisdom.
So when you have that awe for Jesus, that respect, when, when you begin to feel that sense of worship toward him, the very next thing that follows is he helps us to make wise decisions. And here's the number one thing I would tell you about, uh, about receiving wisdom, is the one thing that we need to do is just follow the example of Jesus. Follow his example, because Jesus was and is the truth. He was and is our wisdom and will always be our wisdom. So if I could just give you one piece of advice about finding the wise thing to do is follow the example of Jesus. Jesus is an interesting example of wisdom. Because I think some people would read his biographies. If you had kind of a worldly point of view, you would look at the example of Jesus in the Gospels and you might be tempted to say, I'm not sure he's making wise decisions, right? Ticking off all the religious leaders. As you're reading the story, which is a worldly point of view, in other words, you don't have that, this kind of conception of, of what Jesus is doing. You might say, man, ticking off the religious leaders, that doesn't seem wise, Allowing yourself to go to the cross and be crucified does not seem wise. Jesus actually had a conflict with one of his disciples over this very thing, where it's like, Jesus, I disagree that you're making wise decisions, but here's the thing about Jesus. He had this eternal plan in place. He knew what was happening with the cross. He knew that he was going to forgive the sins of all mankind. He had this other perspective. And this other perspective changes our view of wisdom. So the greatest thing we can do is to follow his example. If you have your Bibles or your phone or whatever handy, let's look at Matthew 20, uh, starting in verse 20. Interesting story here, and I want to just show it to you. It says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, asked of him a favor. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit on your right and the other on your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong uh, to those for whom they had been prepared by my father. When the head, ten heard this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them all together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. By any worldly measure, what happened in the story seems like the wise move. That you have a religious leader who is ascending to greatness, popularity at an all-time high, and you, you, what you do is you seek out a position of authority in his organization. You seek out a position of power, but Jesus is operating with this kingdom view this eternal view, this other view. And Jesus reminds us in this story that the wise choice is always the sacrificial choice. The wise choice is always the serving choice. That is always the right thing to do. And again, we can always look back. We get this luxury. We can look back and see that everything Jesus said about the kingdom and everything that Jesus said about a life that matters is absolutely true. When is the last time that you went to a funeral where the person's uh, 
the person was power hungry or fame hungry or, or riches hungry, and, and that was celebrated. That never happens. What you see celebrated uh, in terms of a life that matters is the man or the woman that gives their life away in service to others. And I think this story is a good example of why it is important for us to look to Jesus as our source of wisdom. He has an eternal perspective that we don't understand. He has a kingdom perspective that we're trying to understand. He has a perspective on wisdom that we all need. And here's what I mean by that. There's always going to be a way that seems wise to us. But in the end, it turns out not to be wise. So we got to trust Jesus. And here's the great thing about Jesus. He doesn't leave us on our own. We know that when we express our faith in him, he gives us his spirit of wisdom so that we can make good, wise, and great decisions. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Develop this awe for God. Develop this reverence for God. Develop this worship for God. And the very th thing that he will lead you toward is wisdom. They are married together. They are married together. Trusting God does not mean we just live with disregard and we make unwise choices. The opposite is true. The fear of God leads us to wisdom, leads us to a really, really good place and a good life. And the opposite's also true. When you begin to have an awe, reverence, and worship for something other than Jesus, it will, also lead, it will often lead us to a place that is unwise and not good at all. Think about like materialism. When you have an awe, respect, and worship of materialism, it will affect your decision-making, and it will not lead you to wisdom. Entertainment, right, how important entertainment is in our culture, when entertainment is the most important thing to you, being entertained, it will affect your decisions, and it will not lead you to wisdom. Peace in your family, when having peace is the most important thing in your family, it will affect your decisions, and it will not lead you to a place of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So worship him, revere him, fear him, and he will lead you to wisdom. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you he will. Listen to this from Isaiah 41 as we conclude. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, I will uphold you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is often what you see about these fear passages uh, throughout the Bible. You see the directive, the directive is do not be afraid, followed by the theological statement. I am your God, I will strengthen you, I will uphold you, I will help you. And so this is what we mean when we're, we're in awe of God, we're in awe of his grace, his character, his power, his integrity, his plan. We are in awe of God. We worship him, we trust him, we revere him, and he leads us to wisdom. He always does. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for uh, his grace, his power, his example, his integrity. We revere Jesus. We worship him. We're in awe of him. And now I just want to pray for your spirit of wisdom to land on our hearts and in our minds and that we would be led to the wise place. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
This is a time in our service where we have an opportunity to receive communion together. So if you have some grape juice, some bread, it's a great opportunity to pause and, and go and grab that. And it's just a chance for us to remember that wisdom sometimes looks different when it comes to Jesus. That's why we have to trust him, that there would be people that long ago would have said, Jesus, you are not making wise decisions, but he knew what he was doing all along. He knew the grace he was bringing. He knew the forgiveness that he was bringing. He knew the eternal life he was bringing. So he just has this different perspective. So we wanna trust him for our wisdom. But right now is a chance for us to remember that death, burial, and resurrection that happens for our forgiveness and it happens for our new life. So it happens for our grace, but it also happens for our wisdom, and we just wanna trust in Jesus right now. So you receive that together, um, and, and just know that while you might be receiving it in solitude, you are not receiving it alone, that Christians all over the world are, are receiving communion this, this day as an opportunity to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that changes everything for you and for me. God bless you guys. Looking forward to being back together soon. I know uh, a lot of people are discouraged right now over uh, the, the next order that, that's still a month out, and I get that. I felt that a little bit too. Um, this is just what we have to do for right now, but it won't be what we're doing forever. So I look forward to seeing you soon. I love you, I miss you, and can't wait to worship again uh, with you all together in, in one space. I'll see you soon.